0: Those concern valve four and then Val five is questions eighty five and eighty eight. Uh, so question five, four has to do with the Christian life. Question three had to do with salvation. Question four has to do with the Christian life. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord? And do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God, you will serve him with all that is in you? Forsake the world, resist the devil and put to death your sinful deeds uh, and desires to lead a godly life. I forgot to start my timer, but there we go. So it's 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 an acknowledgment that you're a sinner and that in reliance on the grace of God, you are promising to live a godly life. And quite frankly, apart from that, you have no right uh, to join the church. It's not, it's not, the church is not an open society. <laughs> it's a closed society. So uh, not everyone has a right, a rightful place in the church. It's disciples of Jesus who are following him and whose lives have been renewed by his grace. Uh, and and we're asking you, is that your commitment and is that your life? Uh, or do you promise to forsake sin and to follow Jesus? Um, and if you can't promise that, and I we've, we've interviewed people who have said, I just can't promise that. I'm too sinful. And we have to kind of labor with them to, to get them to see, no, no, no. If you're a Christian, this is what your commitment is. You'll keep sinning. There's nothing here that says I promise to stop sinning, but you are promising that it's your goal. That in reliance on the grace of God, I'm forsaking sin, I'm pursuing righteousness. Not perfectly, you will still be a sinner, uh, but you are forsaking the ways of the world for the ways of God. Uh, but uh, but people have the most trouble with this one. They they feel as though I can't I can't really promise this, but it does say in reliance on the grace of God. And if you look at the catechism questions, 35, uh, 35 especially, it reminds us that sanctification is God's grace at work in us. Uh, so justification is also God's grace at work for us, which means that God pardons us and he accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. I'm not going to reteach that one. And that really wasn't the focus last time. It was more, what does God require of us? And he requires of us faith and repentance to be saved. That was the focus of the last class. But but we ought to see that sanctification is a grace of God. And what does sanctification mean? Does it, Do any of the children know? I mean, it's in here in the catechism, but can someone give me a really simple explanation of sanctification? If you can't, that's okay. Okay, so sanctification just means that God is changing us. He's making us better. He's sanctifying us. Sancti- sanctity means holy. He's making us holy. It's a process, though. He doesn't do it all at once. And so when we promise to, to live a godly life in the fourth vow, we're saying, by God's grace in me, I promise that. Because now that I have his spirit, he is changing me. And I know that I will get better all the time. Maybe just a little bit each year. But I, I am getting better. I am getting better. And it's my commitment to... Uh, to work out that grace He's working in me. So, what is sanctification? Sanctification is a work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. It's exactly what this is asking. Do you do you confess that in reliance of the grace of God, you will forsake sin and 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 uh, and um, you will forsake the world and that you will serve Him with all that is in you? Yes, because He He's at work in me. That's what sanctification is. But where is sin defined and where is God, our duty to obey God defined? This is really easy. I'm not trying to make this complicated, so I know that you know the answer to this. Where does God define sin? He, where does he tell us what sin is and where does he tell us what to do? That, no, and raise your hand next time, please. Go ahead, Paul. Not quite, not quite. Uh, Grace. Nope. Uh, it's a good answer, but Meredith? The vibe, vibe? now? All right, all right. There's a place where God tells us ten things he wants us to do and ten things not to do. All right, let's try again, Meredith. <laughs> all right, Priscilla. I... Thank you, thank you. Good job. Well, good job, Will. Good job. All right, the Ten Commandments. So the Christian is saying that I'm committed not to doing the things he tells me not to do. And to doing the things he tells me not to do or to do. And the reason that I think that I can live like that is because of his spirit in me, because of sanctification. Not because of anything I do, but because of something he's doing in me. So what is the duty which God requires of man? The duty which God requires of man is obedience to his revealed will. Now, his revealed will is the Bible. So that is a good answer, but it's a more narrow answer I was looking for. What did God at first reveal to man as the rule of his obedience? The rule which God at first revealed to man for his obedience was the moral law that is in the Garden of Eden. Where is the moral law summarily comprehended? The moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Okay, so we ought to know what the Ten Commandments are. That's a good test. Sometimes I'll ask you children, can anyone tell me what the Eighth Commandment is? You want to try, Owen? Don't guess. Only tell me if you know. You got it. You shall not steal. There you go. So learn the Ten Commandments. Learn the Ten... Do do you want to know how God wants you to live? Keep the Ten Commandments. That's a good place to start. So... But you should probably learn them. You should probably learn them. And the Catechism from that point expounds the Ten Commandments. If you were to memorize the whole shorter Catechism. So... there's your answer. The Ten Commandments. Um... When you say that you are forsaking the world to serve God, you're saying my commitment is to keep the Ten Commandments. So let me just give you an example. Let's say that a husband isn't faithful to his wife, that he's breaking the Sixth Commandment. Do you think maybe I might have something to say to that man? Yes, because you're breaking your promise. You promise to keep these things. Well, what about the Fourth Commandment? It's where the pastor isn't supposed to say anything. What if uh, you're talking a little too much sports on the Sabbath? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, I might tell you. Uh, I'm not saying I do any of this perfectly either. Listen to this question and answer. 82, this is on your sheet. Is any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? No mere man since the fall is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but doth daily break them in thought, word, and deed. We're always going to be breaking them. That's why we need each other, by the way. That's why you're promising to fight and to struggle and to wrestle. You realize that you're still going to break all Ten Commandments every day. That's what the Catechism says. But you need you need the accountability of your brothers, and you need to give yourself unto the struggle. I promise to fight and to wrestle. These are the things I want to do, although I'm failing all the time. That's what you're promising in the fourth vow. Not perfection, but a commitment to the fight, to fight the good fight of faith, although you feel like you're failing all the time. And so, again, I might say, hey, you know, your Sabbath, you you just broke the Sabbath there. Or you just broke the third commandment. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying, try to keep, I'm reminding you to keep your promise. So that brings us to the fifth vow, which has to do with the church. If the third vow is salvation, the fourth vow is the Christian life, the fifth vow is the church. The whole reason we come into the church is because we can't fight this fight by ourselves. Our battle against sin is too strong. Uh, it's too great. We need the help of ministers. We need the help of elders. We need the help of our fellow Christians. We need the means of grace. We need the preaching. We need the sacraments. We need Christian prayer. So what does God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse due to us for sin? Well, I'm sorry. Let me read the fifth vow. Do you promise to participate? Let me check my time. Seven minutes. We're doing great. Do you promise to participate faithfully in the church's worship and service and to submit in the Lord to its government and to heed its discipline? even in case you should be found uh, delinquent in doctrine or life. So you're promising two things. I promise to go to church. <laughs> but I also promise if, let's say, the pastor catches me as a kid talking too much sports on the Sabbath with his pals that he's looked forward to seeing all week, and he says, hey, hey, watch it, Sabbath breaker, uh, that you say, you know what, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to listen to that. That's what you're promising. So don't make a promise you don't intend to keep. Even adults sometimes make this promise, but they don't have any intention to keep it. Uh, so you're not just promising to come to church, but to listen to the church. That's your promise. Now, do you have to obey men if 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 they tell you to do something God didn't tell you to do? Nope. If I give you the 11th commandment, do you have to obey that? Exactly. Uh, but if I give you the 10 commandments and I remind you to keep them, you ought to keep them uh so that's what you're promising and guess what you're saying look if if i'm found out walking out of step with the christian life i'm going to listen that's a pretty serious vow you really ought to think of that the fourth vow i promise to live the christian life the fifth vow i promise to listen to the church not again not the things not found in god's word you have every right to disobey an unjust law an unjust law of the church but you, you, you do not have a right to, to blow us off if we come to you in the spirit of God's word. Then you're promising to keep that. Listen to this. Uh, we looked last time on the third vow. Salvation. What does God require of us? He requires of us faith and repentance. But there's a third thing He requires of us to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin. God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, the two things we looked at last time. But it says a third thing. Basically, go to church. It says, with the diligent use of all outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. What are those outward means? Grace. Well, church is where you find the means, but what are the means? What are the means of grace? One example. Paul? No, nope, that was close. Uh Nope, I, I'm not trying to be this confusing guy. You guys, you just both gave the same answer. Nope, nope, uh, I feel like I'm being confusing. The means of grace are the things we do in church, okay? What are some of the things we do in church? Duncan. Singing. Paul. Yes. Caleb. OK, William, what are some of the things we do in church praying? praying thank you. All right. So we got singing, praying. Those are two. Uh, uh, Meredith. Reading of scripture. Uh, I, I'm going to finish it at this point. Uh, and then and then the sacraments and the preaching. So those are the, the means of grace. And what you're promising is I'm going to church because I want to participate in the things the church does. And what is God doing through those things? He's blessing us. He's communicating grace to us. He's helping us to live the Christian life. That's why we call them means of grace. Because they're the means by which his grace comes to us. And I'm so sinful, I need God's help. And I need to come to church so God can help me. So you're promising diligently to attend unto those means. To come to church and don't just sit through the service looking at the ceiling. By the way, i look at the children during the sermon. And I can tell who's listening and who isn't. Okay. Um, so, it, and I look at who's singing. I look at who's singing. I don't look at you during the prayer. But if you're not singing and you're not listening diligently during the sermon, I notice that. What you're promising is, uh, is that you will be a serious worshiper. That this is important to me. I want to be here. I want to listen to the sermon. I want to sing God's praises. I want to join in the prayer. Now if if that's not your interest that's fine. I mean as far as I'm concerned. But don't don't ask to join the church if that's not your interest. And you might say to your parents, you know, I want to join the church and then I might say to the parent, you know, your child doesn't even sing the hymns. Did you ever notice that? So, uh whereas I might say on the other hand, do you know that you, I don't, did you ever notice the, the 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 intensity with which your child sings the hymns and the carefulness with which your child listens to the sermons? I, I'm looking for these things. That's part of the accountability we're talking about here. So when you really are a serious worshiper uh, and, and you love the things of the church, you say, you know, I almost can't believe it, but I actually like listening to sermons. <laughs> and I really enjoy singing the hymns. And and uh, not the Lord's Supper. You don't partake of that until you profess faith. But you say, that's something I really want. That's when you ought to join the church, but don't rush it. Don't rush it. See, see how, how you feel about church. And when you feel about church, when you say, it's something I love, it's something I really, really want to be a part of. That's the Spirit's testimony in your heart. It's time, it's time to come and, and speak to the elders, but not before then. It, it, not before then, because membership is membership in what? Paul? Uh, the church. Thank you. The church, that's the answer. Membership in the church. So, you, so don't say, I want to join the church unless you really mean it. Now, if you've been baptized, you have joined the church. That's a little bit of a, a strange category that I don't want to confuse anyone. You're members through baptism, but until you profess faith, you're not a full communing member where you participate in the Lord's Supper. It's important to profess faith. It really is. That was the emphasis in the spring when I taught it. It's important that you profess faith publicly. Remember, Jesus doesn't just want you to believe him in his heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10. He wants you to, to say it out loud before the church. But be sure that you mean it. And, and the catechisms are really, really helpful. By the way, uh, what are the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption? So here's the answer. The outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially his word, sacrament and prayer. Word, sacrament and prayer. So the word read and preached, the sacraments and prayer. And I think worship, singing is a means of grace, too. But singing is really actually something we offer to God. The means of grace are things that he offers to us. Although prayer we offer to him. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take that back. Singing is a good example. So. All right. That's the class. We're done. I, I hope I hope I was somewhat clear. <laughs> I hope that you were helped by it. And always remember uh, that I am available Uh so, and, and I, and I want to follow up with you, with you children, uh, and have more interaction with you about these things if, if that's, if that's something you desire. But I'm not trying to per- pressure anyone to profess faith. Yes, Grace. <laughs> that's a question for another time, William. We could talk about that though, okay? Alright, bud. Alright, let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the class. We're thankful for the children. You've given us many children and uh, pray for their faith, look out for them, and and give give them salvation, we humbly pray, and an ability to profess the faith which you've given them, and uh, even to use the catechism as a help for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.